Have you ever wondered if you have somewhere out there in the world that looks just like you, your twin, your doppelganger? A study from a research institute from Spain found that most of us have several lookalikes out there. Why do I share this with you? Because the same is becoming true for our physical world. Technology has helped us map many streets and roads, which we use to navigate to our destinations on a daily basis. But much more than meets the eye is happening underneath the surface. We are creating digital twins of our cities, neighborhoods, and even our homes. I was lucky enough to work at a company called Magic Leap for almost two years as an enterprise strategist. One of the company's North Stars when I worked there was called the Magicverse, which was their vision for the metaverse. Here's audio from a keynote presentation I did back in 2019 at a PTC event in Boston. In essence, the Magicverse is an emergent system of systems, bridging the physical and the digital in a large-scale, persistent manner within a community of people. And you're probably wondering, okay, what does this all mean, <laughs> right? In very simple terms, I like to use a phrase from my friend Charlie Fink that says the world will be painted in data, and it kind of already is. What this means is that there is a base layer, the physical layer which we, which we reside on, and that is called layer zero. Then there's a digital copy or digital singleton or twin or whatever term you want to use of that physical space. In other words, there's a physical instance of the city of Boston in which we are in right now. And then there's a digital instance of the city of Boston that contains the data and is connected. Our digital world is grounded in our physical world. Our digital selves are grounded in our physical selves. These two layers are the initial layers, but they give rise to a whole bunch of different layers, an infinite number of layers or world extensions, if you call them. And this concept itself will disrupt all industries and create immense opportunities for the enterprise. Yes, that's audio from 2019, way before most anyone was thinking about the metaverse. It's kind of wild to listen back to that keynote nowadays with so much attention put on the metaverse. I'm your host, Kathy Hackle, and today on Metaverse Marketing, we're going to investigate how metaverse technologies are bridging the physical and virtual worlds, allowing individuals to literally change their surroundings. And these wild new experiences aren't just happening in gaming and entertainment. They are being integrated into our everyday lives. We can all look forward to advancements in extended reality, digital twins, and even physics and material science that are opening new dimensions for us to experience and explore. Let's go back to Boston in 2019 for a little more context on the metaverse and virtual twins. Let me illustrate. Let's pretend this is a photo of Boston in the future. You have the physical layer, which is where human beings have been constructing for centuries. This is the current state of place as we know it. But there's an underlying mesh that is dynamically updatable. It is a high fidelity model of the city of Boston. That is where the digitization of our lives and our places lives. When we visit Boston, we engage with the city and the people that inhabit it and the people that visit it. In the next decades, we will see a paradigm shift in the way we relate both to this layer and to the physical layer. Our worlds are colliding in the magic verse. 
where we will be able to see these digital, digital landmarks and annotations and content in our reality. We'll be able to transport ourselves via co-presence to a different city using our avatars or using our volumetric captures. The power of place will be amplified. This will usher in new opportunities for physical spaces that have finite economies. There is this world of zeros and ones, and then there's world of atoms and molecules. And all we're doing right now is that we are making this veil between the two worlds thinner and thinner, right? We're trying to cross and transverse between these two different worlds. That's physicist Dr. Sina Sinker, a person I find fascinating. She has been studying methods for more directly interfacing between our physical and virtual realities. And if you think about it, even from the beginning of our interaction with the digital world, with the, this computer, you know, in the past 50, 60 years, what we did was that we had this world of zeros and ones, and we couldn't tap at it and say, pay attention to me, or you couldn't yell at it. It wouldn't understand us. What did we do? We created something where clackety-clack, we would, we would type at a computer, and it would understand what we were saying, and it would have a representation, a channel for us to communicate between the world of physical world of atoms and molecules in our representation and a world of zeros and ones. Since then, we've been finding more and more ways for us to make this veil between the two worlds thinner and thinner. And what is going to happen is that at some point, we're going to be getting to a dimension where it's going to be full immersion and integration. While we aren't yet at the point of full immersion and integration, we're slowly getting close. Virtual reality technology can currently use visuals, audio, and movement to engage you in a digital world. Hip Hop Gamer, as you could probably guess, has been closely following not only the rise of VR gaming, but VR experiences. I asked him to describe what it feels like to enter a virtual world. So me as a hip hop artist, we have what we call double entendres or triple entendres, you know what I'm saying? Where you can say one thing and it can mean like uh, two, three, four different things by saying one thing or one metaphor. That's what the VR is. That's what the metaverse is when you look at the um, bridge between virtual and real life. So let's say you look around you, you see what you see and you put the glasses on. Now you see stuff that's all around you that you couldn't see before. And when you go into that world, it's like, wow, there's so much more to see. There's so much more to explore. There's so much more to build on. As Hip Hop Gamer explains, VR doesn't just let you have more fun in games. It expands your experience. One thing about VR and just going into this metaverse, it allows you to tap in to other thoughts and other experiences that you can't have in real life, that you can only have in VR. So one of the most fun, engaging experiences is to be able to see the type of person you are in a whole other world and compare it to the world that you always live in and grew up in. And then you get, the, you get a chance to learn different elements of yourself because of the experiences that virtual reality brings to you. Because think about it, we go through all types of problems, whether it's depression, um, we get excited, we have fun, then we got our downtimes. But when you're in a virtual world, it's like it's another extension of who you are that you get to discover. I like hip hop gamers phrasing here that VR isn't an escape, but an extension. Ari Peralta is a fascinating neuroscientist and sensory designer. 
And as he explains, research into how the human brain interprets virtual experiences seems to support this idea. When we look at under the hood, if you will, at the brain and, you know, the different responses, the different kind of neurochemical responses um, that these different types of environments can stimulate, it's really interesting because we can really fool the brain to, uh, or we're getting there to getting to fool the brain to what is a physical, real environment. Virtual experiences will become even more real. A sensory designers like Ari layer in more types of inputs. Every experience, every memory that we have has been shaped by sensory input. So everything in life, anything that involves humans, uh, it's multisensory. These are just the signal receptors we have that translate uh, elements of what's beyond what we can perceive. And whether that's in a virtual environment, whether that's in a digital environment, augmented environment, or this physical environment that we call reality, uh, they're going to play that particular role because it's how our brain interprets things. We've played around with different types of experiments that reproduce some form of scent, reproduce some form of haptic, reproduce some form of sound. Uh, but now we're able to develop systems that allow these three different inputs or signals to speak to one another in a much more congruent or, or harmonious way. So the better we understand how to create these different types of responses through this type of stimuli, it's not that we can trick the brain, but the more we can empower the brain to go beyond our embodied existence. These fully immersive technologies will not only make for exciting metaverse entertainment, but can be used to help people who may be struggling with the conditions of the physical world. Ari explains. The work that we do today is focused on empowering certain types of favorable behavioral outcomes. What does that mean? How do we help children feel better in highly anxious environments like hospitals? How do we help people calm down in highly trafficked areas such as malls? How do we help students stay motivated, stay positive, stay focused, and stay centered uh, during these uh, critical moments where there's a lot of uh, political changes, environmental changes, economic changes? So ultimately, it's how do we use the senses to kind of create a bit more harmony in our brains in our bodies and ultimately how we behave and ultimately that is where we have a very big opportunity with the metaverse in helping us have these unembodied existence to see if we can break the shell of our insecurities if we can break the shell of the things that typically limit us from achieving what we obviously have the potential of achieving. It's about bringing access and giving inclusivity to a whole lot of people around the world uh, that could benefit from certain type of perceptual medicine um, that could be delivered through these technologies. Now we're talking about everything from uh, environments created specifically for individuals living on the spectrum all the way to environments and therapeutics that could enhance people living with dementia and Alzheimer's. The opportunities there to improve quality of life are huge. 
In previous episodes, we examined how the metaverse can support diverse voices and experiences in ways our current world often does not. This may feel optimistically utopian, but the barriers for entry to the metaverse keep getting lower, and more people are playing around with ways to invite others into their virtual lives. Augmented reality artist and instructor Luke Hurd describes how more accessible AR software has opened doors for him and other creators. I personally think that um, that Spark AR, Lens Studio, Effect House, those kind of pieces of AR software, the ease in which those tools exist allow for artists to become developers. And that has been really a, a tough road before because uh, the tools that have existed to write code, write logic, create interactivity, or even just visual shading, making something look like it's water, that kind of a thing, have meant that you have to write code. You have to understand code. If you're an artist, you're already probably occupied. <laughs> That's a tough thing to ask somebody. So seeing that these tools are, again, democratizing these this exposure of people has been, um, for me personally, has been a wild ride. It's allowing people all around the world in the space who otherwise would not have access. So why wouldn't we share this experience? Why wouldn't we package this up and help people? Patrick Coleman studies human imagination and is interested to see what people will do with extended reality as a new creative tool. Where we see the most exciting things from a kind of development standpoint is that these sort of broadly metaverse technologies, um, there's a, a more inclusive approach about who is getting to create the experiences amid all this talk of a sort of metaverse land rush and owning digital real estate and all of that um, is seeing how especially indigenous creators are looking at the metaverse and starting projects that from the early days are kind of reshaping how indigenous communities are represented in this second layer to our world. Locally, there's a fantastic company called Our Worlds that's leveraging augmented reality as a platform for native communities around the world to placemake and to help the broader culture be aware of the places that they may be walking through that have a native history that they're, that they're kind of skating right past. So they're kind of augmenting reality to make those things visible in a way that they haven't been visible for many people. And I think those kinds of projects really illustrate what can be done with these technologies and, and really how much more will be done as they get more widely adopted. Extended reality experiences could become a major component of the metaverse, but they are not the only way we are merging the digital and physical. We'll be back to explore more possibilities after this break. Developers are using large collections of data to create virtual representations of physical objects, places, and systems called digital twins. These are more than just 3D renderings. They are digital models that appear and act like the physical world counterparts. Carol Carpenter, the Chief Marketing Officer at Unity, explains more. A digital twin is more powerful because you can go beyond the limitations of a physical world. So you can do things that go beyond the current physics where you can change the slant of a roof in a home design or you can change 
the entrances to the airport because you want to see how that might change the flow and what the impact would be. And so that's where digital twins have this incredible potential to transform how businesses work because it allows for a real-time testing scenario to see things virtually without that physical cost of having to test and build. So, you know, car designers, they used to make, and they still do in some cases, clay models to allow a customer to visualize the product from end to end. The ability to do that as a digital twin now gives you thousands of more permutations. Foresight strategist and world building expert Leia Saidi has been looking forward to how digital twins will improve long-term planning and decision-making. When we think about problems like climate change, these problems are highly complex. They have a lot of intricate moving parts to them. We don't necessarily understand what all of those connections are and what those cascading effects might be. So if we were to intervene in the system, it could set off all sorts of other cascading effects that um, have changes or that have implications that we don't necessarily want. And those can be very hard to predict. So technologies like digital twins, real-time rendering, simulations, things like this allow us to map out with data using the data that we have access to in the world and put that into a construct that can play out some of those possibilities for us so that we have a better understanding of what can happen. And this is where the multiple future thing becomes a little um, useful in those sort of constructs as well, because we can you know, look at what happens when things go one way or the other. So if we introduce, for instance, let's say a new species into an environment, do we know what the effects of that could be? Can we play that out in a simulation? Can we use a digital twin of that animal and that ecosystem to understand how they might connect with each other? And we've seen this play out in the real world where uh, fish or carp are introduced to you know a certain ecosystem and then go on a rampage and destroy it. Um, you know we've seen things like disease resistant mosquitoes be introduced in Florida. We don't fully know what the long term impacts of that are going to be, um, but in these sort of constructs and with these sort of technologies, we can start to test out some of those things before we actually intervene in the real world and do more damage. So that becomes really important as part of a um, not only a tool that we have but as a way of understanding our world better. Cities and countries around the world are working on their metaverse strategies and how they will incorporate virtual twins to make the lives of the people that live there better. One of those regions is Orlando. Welcome to Orlando, the home of Imagineers, game developers, and tech wizards. With a foundation in creating experiences that are both authentic and incredible, and a wealth of talent in artificial intelligence, virtual reality, and IoT technology, Orlando is building the unbelievably real. Orlando is the metacenter of the metaverse. We've been building toward this designation for the last several decades culmination of our expansive multi-billion dollar VRAR development coupled with the advancements we've made in 3D simulation and gaming have made Orlando the largest contributor to the building blocks of the metaverse. Here in Orlando we have the talent, the companies, the desire, and the ambition to push the boundaries of Web 3.0. That was Mayor Buddy Dyer from the city of Orlando. I've proudly been working with the Orlando region in Florida as they develop their metaverse strategy. Fun fact, Orlando's actually known as the simulation capital of the world and has become a hub for metaverse talent and development companies. It is even branding itself as the Meta Center. 
The Orlando Economic Partnership has invested in building a virtual twin of the city of Orlando and its surrounding region. Chief Innovation Officer David Edelson explains how it is being used. When we're looking at the city as a, as a whole um, and our surrounding regions, this is a place where our partners can come in and we can display all of the AR and VR companies um, and digitally show people um, in a 3D rendering, basically, that you know this is where each one of these companies are located. This is what their clusters look like. Here are the track patterns. Here's how our talent pools look like uh, within a 500 mile radius, you know, tens of thousands of students. It's everything from waterways, I mean, again, patterns of water or um, traffic, obviously, or new roadways that are coming in um, or showing um, the density of population in certain regions when it comes to housing, um, schools. Uh, so anything that is in our existing world um, that is within our city and region really will be rendered in this in this digital twin. Orlando's virtual twin was built by Unity. So Carol Carpenter had a front row seat to the conversation surrounding just what a virtual representation of a real place can do. You know, have you heard the saying, a problem well stated is a problem half solved. So understanding like what the customer or partner in this case, the Orlando Economic Partnership, what they're trying to achieve it's not just, oh, hey, we want to create a digital twin to have this beautiful virtual digital twin, but no, we want to use it for planning. We want to use it for marketing to bring in new companies. We want to use it for, frankly, you know, some of the utility mapping capabilities, which, you know, it's very expensive when they start thinking about where are we going to lay fiber? Where are we going to lay down? They use it when they're inviting businesses who are considering, oh gosh, you know, we're thinking about relocating our business to Orlando. And they use it to help them plan and to understand like, okay, if your facility were here, this is what the traffic is like. We can simulate what it would mean if you brought in 5,000 more people. Here's what we recommend. And very powerful planning tool. So it gives them this ability to project plan at very high levels of pace and speed and productivity. All these use cases, of course, require huge amounts of data, not only during the development stage, but throughout the life of the digital twin. This data could be collected through any number of sensors that feed real-time data to the model, keeping it up to date in real time. Luke Hurd describes how one company is using games to build a digital twin of the world. When you look at companies like Niantic who are using like VPS, um, and even using their their games, Pokemon Go and um, in, in like the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, they use those games to also build the mesh of the world that also powers VPS that you can then build upon and build your own experiences. So anyone who's using Pokemon Go is not only finding a Pokemon, they're also scanning the world, building a mesh, maybe even replacing a mesh that was scanned before. Maybe a bush got cut down or a tree has lost its leaves. Great. Now it's gone and it's been updated back up there in the world. So this it's more than just a digital twin. It's like an always on digital twin because our world is dynamic. Virtual twins of places and systems will help us better understand the world and make large scale planning decisions. But why should the average consumer care about this technology? Chris Barber, the director of AR Partnerships and Business Development at Meta, has seen how these types of virtual twins are opening new markets. I like to think of it as a collapse of space and time, where you can bring anything or anyone anywhere at any time. 
Um, virtual try-ons is one example of where we're already seeing the value of digital twins as a way uh, of enabling people to interact with uh, with virtual versions of products within their own space and their own context um, while considering making purchases. We think these kinds of experiences with virtual objects will become increasingly important to how people express themselves and, and again, how they make purchase decisions. My colleague Sasha Wallinger is the head of Web3 and Metaverse Strategy at Journey. She sees a lot of potential in the digital twins market. I think twins are so fun and I think there's this adventure that one can have with either it's a virtual being, so a, a digital twin of yourself and you know you can experiment. It's almost like with the, the good cop, bad cop, you can have a lot of fun playing there. With a digital twin of an instance of a, of a reality or a product, again, you can do, it's almost like an A-B testing that, that allows itself to um, create and be very nimble in the moment. So I think it's really fun to, to think about the concepting and then the bringing to life of a of a digital twin and then specifically in in fashion what's so nice that i've seen with nft projects that offer both an nft as well as a, a, a physical instance of that nft is that the consumer doesn't have to just leave either at the physical or the virtual. They can coalesce um, in the meeting of the two. And I think that's really exciting for an, an enhanced consumer experience and also a different terrain of commerce too. Neil Stevenson has eagerly been following the development of Web3 and the metaverse. I talked with him and his Lamina One co-founder, crypto pioneer Peter Vesenis, about their interest in finding ways to link digital and physical goods. So I'm working with Weta Workshop in New Zealand. They're like the best thing makers in the world. And um, so we're working on a project that's right up this alley. We're working on on the first in a series of swords. Um, and as part of a, a larger concept called Masterworks for the Metaverse, that the whole idea is to make things that are absolutely priceless, special, one-of-a-kind objects, um, but to have them pegged to digital twins um, that people can also uh, own and manipulate and use in a metaverse kind of environment. Neil and I, uh, one of the first ways we started talking was actually about a, a company I helped found a few years ago called Noteworthy, which has their Bitcoin banknotes. So there's a thin chip in them that secures the crypto. It's totally self-custody, which is a kind of a crypto word. But it's also a piece of paper. It looks just like a, a euro or something. I think I at least thought it was interesting, and the Weta folks and Neil did too, is like, can we get that chip in the sword? Um, if we can, then we have a different kind of digital twin, like one where the physical object is tied to the digital object on the metaverse. And that, that's actually like a totally new category of thing. If you start thinking like what things should be exactly and permanently connected to their metaverse equivalent, there's like a, a lot of those things. And all that's like just a totally new area that I think is really cool. In some ways, it might seem contradictory. We have the potential to create and experience completely new realities. But why pour so much effort into linking virtual worlds with our physical one? I asked Carol Carpenter from Unity about her thoughts around this. The, the idea of accuracy of the virtual world is critically important when you're trying to assess, plan for business solutions like we were talking about airplane safety or, um, y- you know, like, okay, 
how how fast can this car move? What velocity? What happens? Can it break in time? And you're simulating things that clearly have real world implications. Like they must be accurate. I think what you're asking though is, okay, take away for a moment some of these use cases that are so life dependent. But outside of those, why is it critical? Like we expect and we want um, these digital twins to be real time, accurate, 3D, mostly interactive, mostly social and persistent. And the constructs need to be as close to what we would expect for us to believe it took for the mind to just understand like, okay, we, we are interacting. This really is an interaction that we're having that's just as real, just as meaningful, and just as deep as what we might have in the physical world. This opportunity we have in front of us, which is here today, I call it the real verse, not the metaverse. We have the real verse, which are these incredible, immersive 3D social experiences that are just going to get better and better as the tech gets better. All these possibilities for enhancing our experiences through extended reality and virtual twins are exciting. And they are bringing our virtual and physical worlds closer and closer together. But they are rooted in technology. Dr. Sina Sinker predicts a future where new materials allow us in the physical world to interface directly with the virtual. I'm most excited about the concept of ultimate connectivity. And these newer materials, materials like graphene, two-dimensional materials, interfacial materials, these biosynthetic interfaces are going to be giving us the tools to build that. Right now, we are connected to this, right? Our cell phones. We're maybe connected to something which is like a thermostat or our computers. But if I grab my cup of coffee right now, it doesn't sense me. It doesn't know me. I can't tell it, warm this thing up or what's your temperature? It doesn't understand me. It's because there is no interface. There is no connected interface between us. With these materials, we might be able to make every object an interfacial object. What does that mean for metaverse? It means that every time I'm touching something like this, you could have a representation of that into a digital world because it can read you, it can sense you, and that has a representation. I want to go to the metaverse, and this is something that's going to be happening with brain interfaces, with these interfacial uh, surfaces that we're talking about, embedded sensors in our body, that we're going to go to the metaverse and we're going to be able to have the gift of scent and taste. I want to go uh, and sit at a coffee shop or I want to go to a steakhouse with you in the metaverse, anywhere in the world, and I want to taste that steak and I want to taste it in the metaverse, in the physical world. Or I want to go and try on a pair of shoes uh, in a store in the metaverse and I want to be able to feel the fit here in the physical world. Are those technologies right now mature enough in our world right now? They are not. And are these things possibilities as a physicist, as somebody who runs an organization who deals with the frontiers of these things? They're absolute possibilities. The way metaverse technologies can link physical and virtual worlds have the potential to truly change our future to change how we experience everything. Maybe that feels overwhelming right now, but I hope you can start seeing the potential for these changes in your life or in your industry. What problems can this convergence solve? What opportunities can it open? My colleague Lee Keebler, director of World Building Our Journey, describes how he has guided clients to see the metaverse as whatever tool they need it to be. As I started talking with other people who 
maybe they read some like poorly written, you know, trade magazine article of like the future of VR and how it's the empathy machine. And they just got all confused. Like I dealt with this for years. I had so many people come to me going, oh, VR is the empathy machine. I was like, no, VR is just a machine. If you're empathetic, if you're an empathetic person, you will find it as an empathy machine. If you're a gamer, you'll find it as a gaming machine. It just depends on who you are as a person. You see your own reflection in the creations that you make. And that's what this is, is it's having the ability to create a new reality. If you're trying to put this into an industry, you go to the industry leader, you just simply hand them the technology and see what they say. I I started in steel. That's where I went. And most people look at me, you know, sideways and like, why would you take VR to steel? And I said, well, when VR really hit and became practical, steel got hit with the 25% tariff and all of a sudden steel got super expensive. So I looked at it as, okay, if anyone's doing pre-visualization of steel manufacturing, they can't use scrap steel anymore because it's become a lot more valuable. Guess what? That was my good idea. What to do with it to the steel industry? I had no idea. I didn't know anything about the steel industry. I took it to steel industry leaders. I showed them VR. I said, this is my concept. Does Is this helpful? And all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. All these ideas started coming up. And I just listened and I wrote them down. You want to find that that partnership with another entity that does build these things, but is willing to listen and respect you for the the knowledge that you bring to the table because all i need when i have a new client is i need them to trust that i know that platform and how to build in it and who's in that platform but i trust them to know their industry in a way deeper than i'll ever have to sebastian brower is the senior vice president of product design and development at kratom barrel and kratom kids and he's one of my favorite new people in the industry he saw the metaverse for the opportunity it is and recently expanded his role to include leading Kratom Barrel's metaverse and Web3 strategies. One of the principles that excites me the most is that I think experimentation and imagination in the virtual domain can unlock a lot of innovation and customer intelligence and engineering in the physical world. I use this parallel a lot, and one of the greatest architects of our time, uh, Saha Hadid, created these incredible buildings for so many years that couldn't be built for decades. CGI, 3D rendering, 3D visualization tools hadn't advanced at the pace of her mind. And it was only until recently, starting with the new millennium, that she was able to build so much. And I think that the virtual domain was able to unlock all of that innovation required for us to construct such incredible buildings. So. I think that the metaverse and Web3 has the potential to disrupt how we bring products to market, how we bring them to life. Think about completely flipping the product development process upside down and starting it in the virtual domain. Not only to imagine and experiment without physical constraints and boundaries, but also to gather customer intelligence and see how are communities interacting with a certain product, what are people drawn to and what is resonating, starting there and then introduce them in the physical world as a second step. While virtual twins have been around for a while in the enterprise, it is now that they are becoming top of mind as our virtual and physical lives continue to converge. The metaverse is made of endless possibilities, not just in the virtual world, but in our physical world as well. In the rest of this season, we'll be exploring how these possibilities are used more specifically in business. 
building new customer journeys, new commerce models, and new ideas of luxury and fashion. What worlds will you create? Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. 